Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I'm running solo today. Frank uh, is working a little bit different shift than I am, so he's not able to join us. But I do have my uh, longtime, I'm going to say closet friend, or I'm, I'm probably his closet friend anyway, uh, Tipton Cook, hailing originally from Arkansas, then Kansas, and now Colorado. Uh, what's up, dude? I'm doing good, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I think I have known Tipton since uh, 98 or 90, 99, maybe. Has it been that long? I'd say we're old, but you're you're older than me. But uh, it's been a, a couple decades, I guess, since I met you. Close to it. Well, yeah, I, I moved to Colorado in 97, and I think we met shortly after that, a year or two. So it's been 18, at least 18, 19 years. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. And, and a little uh, background, so without anybody making fun of me, um, Tipton was kind of a guy although I would have never admitted this at the time, um, but I will now. I'm more in touch with my feminine side. I really looked up to Tipton was one of the guys to beat shooting, uh, super successful, you know, bow hunter. And uh, and you were an all-around cool guy. You were funny. Um, I got to say, the let's give, give, give us the rundown. How long did you shoot pro? How would you get into archery? That kind of stuff. Well, I, uh, I'll start from the beginning. I uh, That's a long time ago. I started shooting the yeah, one, well, it actually wasn't, well, I am old, so yeah, it was 30, about 31 years ago. I, uh, I started, uh, I, I was, you know, I never hunted deer. I moved to Missouri. I grew up in Arkansas, and uh, as a kid, you know, we hunted all kinds of small games since the time I was six, year, six years old, and, uh, but my dad would never hunt deer because he just thought they were too beautiful. He was kind of a sentimental guy, and he, he just thought they were too beautiful to hunt. And back in the day, back then, you know, it was rare. If you saw a deer and you got a picture of it, it deer were so rare, at least in Arkansas, that, that it would show up in the newspaper. That's how, I mean, I can, I can count on two hands the number of deer I saw as a kid. And so we, we just never hunted deer. And then I moved to Missouri. I went to school, got me an education, and then uh, got a job in St. Louis. And uh, I used to float the rivers and fish. Uh, and then I got into turkey hunting because Missouri had a lot of turkeys. And um, I went deer hunting. Uh, I floated down on the river in my canoe and camped out on the river. And, and uh, I bought a tree stand and I put up a tree stand. And make a long, a, a long story, a short story. I ended up shooting a deer with a shotgun out of my tree stand the first morning. And I thought, and I'd been reading stuff in magazines about bow hunting. And I thought, you know, I could have killed that deer. It was like 35 yards. I bet I could have killed him with a bow. So I worked with Bass Pro at the time. It was one of my uh, clients in my job. And so I went the next week. I was down in Springfield visiting with them, and I went in. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a he was a bass. It turned out to be one of those guys on television with Bass Pro. Really, really down-to-earth nice guy. And he sold me a, a PSE. You know, I don't remember a what model bow it was but it had plastic composite round wheels on it at 70 pounds and i went out the first day and on my way going home to arkansas or to visit my family and uh i just started shooting you know i, w I went out and there was a guy on the field and he had some big old round hay bales and i i went out and shot for the first time and loved it the funny story to that is i shot my first arrow and i hit dead center in the side of the round the bale and i thought man what a perfect shot 
and my arrow went completely inside that ram, round bell, and I spent an hour trying to dig that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so the story is I lost my very first arrow oh, <laughs> that I ever got, but it was a good one. And what, but, what, uh, what year was that? Well, let's see. It was, that was 31 years ago, uh, so it was, um, that would have been since 20s, 10, and, uh, 90, it's 89, yeah, 1989. I was living in St. Louis, and uh, so I, I started shooting in 89. And that, that's when 3D was really starting and, and really booming. And uh, so I, you know, I was a finger shooter, and I started shooting, and, and I was, you know, pretty good. You know, I shot rifles and pistols and BB guns and everything else since I was a little kid. And uh, I could, you know, aiming, I was good. I could aim well. And I, I was good pretty much right out of the box. And I was beating people with fingers in my, you know, first year in our little shop there outside of St. Louis. You know, I was I was just good at it, just naturally good. And um, so that, that I, there were some guys, I joined this club, uh, Tri-County Rod and Gun Club in Bonner Springs. My wife and I and kids moved to Kansas. I uh, transferred with the company in uh into Kansas City and lived in on the Kansas side, and the decision to do that was because they had better deer hunting and turkey hunting on, in Kansas, so we, so we chose to live on the Kansas side. My wife really loved it over there. Just kidding, <laughs> but um, so you know, I I shot at this this local. It was a great archery range and pistol range. It was a great club, and there were some guys there that uh, I shot with, and and you know, I I got to where I could pretty much beat everybody and I was beating everybody with fingers and these guys were getting sponsored and you know getting bows and stuff and I was like you know maybe I ought to try that and then one of the guys was a finger shooter he was really good his name was I think his name was Dalton Davis and uh it, he was the guy that I wanted to be you know and finally I got to where I could beat him and I and I was shooting great scores and and we were beating you know most some some you know tournaments I'd go to I'd beat everybody release shooters and and uh as well and um so i you know he would go to these asa tournaments and i kind of found out what that was about so i i started shooting some of the ibo and the asas and in the you know in the amateur class in the pins class and then i got this world case class of you know target panic and uh a buddy of mine told me he said um you ought to try a release and so I did, and release shooting was, back then, was it was so easy compared to shooting fingers that I thought it was like cheating, you know, <laughs> like, this is just too easy. And, but anyhow, it, you know, I, I finally mentally got over my target panic, and then I, I got, you know, I shot one year as an amateur, and then I shot in the semi-pro class, and then one out of that in a couple of years, and then I, I went to, you know, basically had to go into pro class, which I didn't want to do because... You're shooting against guys that, you know, don't have five kids and don't work for a living. So, and that's how, that's how I ended up. And, you know, I, I got some sponsors and got, and, uh, and that's kind of how I ended up doing what I did. Gotcha. Now you, when I met you, like I said, was whatever, I think it was 99. And, and, um, we talked about this the other day. We were, we were going to do this podcast before, but, um, 
uh, Tipton had scheduling issues because he wanted to go fishing. So we talked for a few minutes and then <laughs> we rescheduled for today. But I, I remember shooting with you. I, I won't mention any names, uh, you know, totally. But uh, Hector Gomez was with us and he kept looking at my sight tape. And I remember you walking over to me because I was green as grass. Like, I think I got a sight from Bill Pellegrino and I had some pencil marks on there. And uh, I can't remember if I won that shoot or you did. I probably did. I'm not totally sure. The one ass whooping I remember you <laughs> gave me is when I got back into archery was an indoor tournament. And you and I ended up in a shoot off and you beat the brakes off me badly. Um <laughs> One of the very few times where I can say I had a short period of target panic and I, for whatever reason, <laughs> thought I'd shoot a thumb button. I'm pretty sure I bent the barrel oh, yeah. on that. Uh, I would have been better off punching an index finger. But I remember you walked up to me and you were like, hey, bud, uh, you ever think about covering up your sight tape? And I'm like, why? And he goes, I remember you saying, well, every time those guys are standing to your left, they're looking at your sight tape. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I was like, it didn't even dawn on me. I'm like, no kidding. And so, uh, you might've been even let me borrow Velcro to cover the damn thing up. Um, but I remember in that shoot, Hector shot a five on like a 28 yard pig or something. And I remember you going, well, Hector, you're above the five line. And, uh, I thought, man, this guy's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> that a long time ago. Yeah. Well, you know, you just, you know, I, it's like I told you when you covered your side tape, all of our scores went down. So, <laughs> That's one thing I, I did good. I was always pretty good at, and it, it saved me, is I could always judge yardage. Even today, fairly, you know, naturally, I could judge fairly fairly well. But, I mean, at that time, the I think, and I don't mess around with it as much now, uh, tournaments, it was way bigger back then in Colorado than it is now. There's just not as many tournaments or the numbers aren't as, as good, it seems like. And I could just be, my memory's bad, but it, it always seemed... There was a blonde dude that shot. That he was kind of an arrogant guy. Of course, that's coming from an arrogant guy. Matt? Was that his name, Matt? Yeah. Matt. The golden boy. Yeah, the golden boy. He shot a golden. He did look like a surfer, didn't he, from California with that hair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got that... a funny story about him, but maybe I shouldn't <laughs> tell it. <laughs> well, yeah. I yeah, I don't hardly talk to any of those guys anymore. Um, Henry had target panic so bad. I've never seen it, and he got over it, but I've never seen a guy punch a hinge like he could. We've had him on the podcast. He makes jokes about it, and he would still hit where he's <laughs> aiming at. Remember that? He'd shoot a Carter, Colby, or Revenger, and he'd rip that thing off oh, yeah. and still up in the yeah. 12, and I'm like, that takes practice. How the hell does he do that? But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you, you, uh, you know, through your, your career, I mean, you shot pro for, I mean, well, what I guess what fifteen years, and then you went to twenty years, and you went to senior pro. I mean, you shot pro for a long time. Yeah, I uh, so I started. Uh, you could switch to senior pro in the three D circuit when you uh, turned fifty. Actually, the year that you were going to be fifty, and it's still the same way. So, you know, eleven years ago, I started uh, eleven or twelve. I started shooting the senior pro class, and before then. I shot uh, Open Pro, which was, you know, that that Open Pro class is just, I mean, you know, it's it's serious business, and those guys are just, I mean, there, there's lots of great shooters in every class. Well, not lots, but there's there's, you know, there are good shooters in every class. But the Open Pro class, I mean, you can you can shoot with 
if there's 50 guys in the ASA Open Pro or IBO, you know, they, you know, 40 of them or 35 of them at least could, could win any day. And, and, and it's usually the, you know, the same handful, 10 guys. And once in a while, another guy will pop in and, and win one, have a great weekend. But those guys are just, they're just really good. And, and not that the senior pro and the semi pro guys aren't. I mean, I, I shot scores that, um, you know, there were, there were shoots where we would all shoot on the same course and it didn't happen often, but there'd be a senior pro or a semi pro guy that would shoot a higher score than the open pro. So it, so it did happen, but they're just phenomenally good shots and it, and it's, uh, it's tough. It's a very tough class to compete in, as is any of the upper classes. But uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It was, it was a good time. And then, and you you know, you're talking about that indoor shoot that we had. I mean, neither one of us were. That wasn't our forte. We, we're outdoor animal kind of guys, you know. And I I, I I just shot indoor at first. I couldn't stand it, and uh, I, but it but it makes you such a better, so much a better shot. Uh, for for the outdoors and for hunting and everything else, and uh, so we, you know, I shot it, but you know, I I could clean 450 rounds on a Vegas target and paste the walls with them of clean, you know, up to 42x is the highest I ever shot, and then I'd go to Vegas and drop the very first point. So <laughs> you're out in the beginning, <laughs> so it's it, you know, it's a little nervy. Let's say. I try to explain that like, you know, my wife has gotten into bow hunting now and, you know, she sees me in the yard shooting groups at 40 and 50, 60 yards. And so she was like, why don't you, why don't you shoot tournaments again? And I'm like, cause you, you have to be committed, right? Like I like to hunt way too much and I, I'm not willing to give that up. And I thought, you know, so I pulled up YouTube and, uh, and, and she knows who Levi is. Levi and I have hunted together and we're good friends. Right. So I pull up and it's Levi and McCarthy and whoever else. And they're just, it was like the second day of an ASA tournament. And, you know, and I'm like, now, honey, you got to keep in mind, these guys aren't using range finders. And then it got to the shoot down round and I would, she watched it. She's like, man, you're as good as those guys. And I'm like, I really am happy that you have that opinion of me, but you are out of your fucking mind. I'm like, honey, I'm good. Right. I'm like, you got these different levels, right? You've got good and you've got great and you've got elite. And I'm kind of hovering between good and great. And then when, you know, even if you're great, you're not elite until you beat elite guys. That's one thing I mentioned, like with John Dudley, John's a great shot, but you can't say John's elite because he doesn't shoot tournaments anymore. He's not shooting against the Levi's and the McCarthy's. And I was like, honey, even if I stood by for, let's say, Levi and McCarthy and Gillingham and Boboff, I'm not going to embarrass myself. But, honey, they are so good, it is hard to fathom. And, and not just shooting, but also judging. And it, it's just, it's no different than making it into the NBA or anything else. It is just a different level to, to be that good. And you had to shoot against those guys for years and you won some tournaments. I mean, you, you didn't do, you didn't do too bad. You did better at, better at senior pro, didn't you? Didn't you did open pro? Yeah. Yeah. I did a, a lot better. I, you know, I, I want, I won one tournament in open pro and, and to tell you the truth, I was happy to be in the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I mean, it was, if you got, if you got a check, 
And, and I mean, you, you know, you, you got to look at it. I mean, I, I'm a working guy with five kids. I travel all over the place with my job. I spend a lot of time with my family. And, you know, when you compare that to a guy who's, you know, fully paid and sponsored and, you know, I mean, it's, it's just night and day. And, and to, I mean, even in the senior pro class, you're shooting against a lot of people that that's what they do. And, you know, they were retired and they didn't have kids or the kids were gone. You know, I, I'm 61 and my youngest son just graduated from high school. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, <clears throat> poor planning on my wife's part, but no, she's, she's a <laughs> lovely woman. But, um, I, well, uh, I remember but, you, you telling know, me about this, like when I was wanting to, you know, like a high school kid wanting to play college football, we're shooting, and I'm I'm thinking I'm good shooting against you guys, and and winning some, and taking in the top three, and you would be like, "Look, man, these guys have sixty target three D courses in their yard. I got four yeah. feet of snow in my yard right now. Like, it's it's different, Absolutely. you know. And 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 I was working construction, and you were like, "It's not impossible, but it's you know for guys in the south, especially." They don't have the weather to deal with, you know. They're working at a pro shop, and they, like you said, it's a different lifestyle. They in 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 a lifestyle. In my case, I probably could have tried it now with the the schedule that I have, which is basically unlimited. But, dude, I lost the love for it eventually. I could barely make it through twenty targets, and I, and I'm like, hmm, yeah, I want to go fishing. It sucks. It's hot. Well, and and, and I I've gotten to be well, yeah, and it's. You know, it's not that the, the guys at the upper level or like the guys at the upper level, you know, women, body, who wants to excel, they have they have the talent for it, they have the ability, and they have the work ethic. And, and, and you know, I use Levi's example because he's the best I've ever seen at, at 3D. He's, you know, he's a phenomenal shot. He doesn't win all the time, but because there are, there are guys that, that everybody's working to beat the top dog, you know, and. And and I'll I'll tell you a story about you know Levi because um, I was I was telling Phil Mendoza and we both know Phil who owns No Limits here in uh, in uh, in Colorado in Denver but uh, Phil went out to one of his first tournaments and we went out on the uh, the Sims course which is the Mark Yardage course it's kind of a fun shoot but you can win some money at it. And so all the unknown guys would go out. I mean, everybody that wanted to could shoot this 10-target range, and the high, the top three or five scores would win money over the weekend uh, on this range. And you'd go out at your leisure and you'd shoot it. Well, we went out, uh, Phil and I did, and we shot with Levi and, some, and his wife, Samantha. And um, Levi, on, on, the, uh, on, the, uh, on this course, that was back in the day at ASA when you could shoot 14 rings, uh, you know, all the time, even in the regular scoring instead of just a shoot-off. But Levi goes out, and we're, we're standing there in Phil, and we're shooting the first two targets. We get to the third target, and there's a deer out there that's 50 yards, and it's hard to see. And, and the 14 ring on a deer, this deer was kind of leaning back, and it was way up high. And it was the, if, if you missed it by an inch high, you would have you shot over it. And it's a very tough shot, and you couldn't see it. And Levi, he, he doesn't, he didn't, you know, he went up and he, and he ranged it and he shot it and he didn't look at the, you know, at the, um, they, they had the marker that told you how far it was and it said, 
uh, 50 yards, and he judged it for 49 and a half. 49 and a half yards. It was not uncommon for back, you know, for for people to judge to the half yard or a little bit over 49 or that's that's how we used to judge because you just get so good at it. And he shoots and he and um, he he shot just under it and he said, you know, and Samantha had the rangefinder and she said, well, it's and he and after uh, Levi he missed it, which was uh, two one of the two. Uh, shot the 14s that he missed on that 10 target range uh and he looks at samantha and he says he says well oh the the card says 50 yards i thought it was 49 and a half and she ranged and she said it is 49 and a half the card's wrong (laughs) (laughs) oh lord (laughs) And, and and you know the guy the guy shot when they when asa opened up the um or started the mark yardage deal and all these you know, target pros would come out to shoot it several times. At least twice, I know, I watched him. They would shoot the same course at the same time that the open pros would shoot it, and he would shoot a higher score than they did, and they were using rangefinders. Oh, and yeah. he was shooting unknown yardage. So I just showed you, I mean, you're shooting with a walking rangefinder, and there's people, you know, they everybody misses a yardage and misses a shot, but you, you look at people like Hopkins and, and and Levi and, and there's guys in the senior pro class that can if they could shoot as good as they could judge, they, they would win every time. So oh yeah, just kind of that's the skill that you're shooting against. Yeah, well, and Le- Levi is um he's an all around good guy too. He's he's super, yeah. you know, funny and I mean we message each other and call and talk and and he actually the little pecker would. He hired an extra cameraman when we were in Alberta, and I didn't know because I don't like being on film. I don't have any admiration to start a hunting show. and So they let me start my hunt a day early because everyone went home, and I shot my deer before he got there. And uh, he does not like traditional archers or some of the crap they give him. So I, of course, being me, said, well, let's just see who shoots the biggest deer. And, and I must say... I crushed him. I blew his deer away. Like you could have put his deer inside of my deer, but I, I got out there and, uh, you know, they were like, Hey, you can hunt tomorrow on Saturday. Everybody went home and we went out and I ended up putting a stock on a deer. Uh, I don't know what I should 12 yards or something. I shot it at. It was a good, it was an old deer. It didn't score great. It scored. Okay. And we, we got back and Levi showed up and he's like, are you freaking kidding me? And I'm like, dude, one and done, first stock. He's like, I was gonna film you. I'm like, well, you're not now. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I said, sorry, man. Oh, uh, he was super cool, and I, I thought there's no way. And he, he even on his TV show, he even mentioned it on the TV show. I, I didn't think he'd, he'd say that I shot a bigger deer than him, but I certainly tried to get a photo with both deer, and I don't think he was having it. I don't, I don't think he wanted any in, to do that. But he is a super good dude and super. Uh, you know, just funny and, and all around, like those guys had seen me shoot cause I've hunted in Alberta and BC several times, uh, Jeff Lander and, and, and Jeff was enamored by how I could, could shoot. Well, then Levi got there and, you know, normally I shoot 60 and 80 with the compound a lot. Obviously now I'm, that's like a par three, but Levi's at a hundred with broadheads shooting softballs. Okay. And, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, Lander was like, huh, 
you going to go out there and shoot with them? And I'm like, quite honestly, I'm happy I have my recurve because I have an excuse. I said, it's depressing, isn't it? I'm like, you you see that. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It's attainable. But sp- speaking of hunting, you've had a pretty good uh, hunting career, too, because you're a do-it-yourself public land dude. And you hunt whitetails on the ground, and you've, you've had pretty good success, you know, killing whitetails on the ground as, as well as elk and everything else you went after. Yeah, you know, I started uh... – I, you know, I, when I started hunting, I, um, you know, I never, I hunted in, in, uh, Missouri for, uh, I think a year and then I moved to Kansas and I, you know, I didn't know anything about deer hunting and I, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, just submerse myself in whatever I'm, whatever I'm doing. Like now I'm kind of into fly fishing and, and I'm starting to tie my own flies and I'm learning all about entomology and I, I, that's just what I like to do. I like to like to just immerse myself in 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 what I'm doing, and and I I just get carried away kind of with everything that I I would love to do. And I I fell in love with bow hunting right off the bat, and and I you know like almost all 3D archers, every you know everybody loves to hunt. There's you know very few people that don't hunt that shoot archery, uh, and some target shooters and and a few 3D, but but most everybody gets started because they started for hunting. And I was the same way. I just, I loved it. And, you know, I, um, I kind of the part of the Indian in me, I, I, I hunted with in moccasins and I love to get as close. You know, I, I guess I read books about people that, that could, you know, touch deer and I would try to do that and get up so close. And, and, and that's what I enjoyed. And that's why I enjoyed the art, the archery part of the bow hunting is, it was up close and, and, you know, and then learning to call deer in and then their, their nature and their movements and their habits and all that stuff. I, I got into it and I, I hunted out of tree stands. I remember one time I, I, the first time I sat in a tree stand was in Kansas and I found this ginormous scrape. I've never seen anything like it. And it was awesome. And I thought, and this was a year I, you know, in Kansas back, back in those days and, and, you know, you a 140 class deer was was would be like you know you see those every day and you wouldn't even you know I would because I was new to hunting and I I was like just shooting a buck was like a big deal and or even a, you know shooting a doe was like this is awesome you know my first my my first hunt in Missouri I remember I I did hunt in a tree stand because I was on a little public place in Clinton Lake and I didn't know anywhere else to go. And I stood up in this tree, and the first deer I got to shoot, to shoot was uh, like the first day I hunted. This doe came in, and I couldn't believe that I got I got a shot at her and shot and killed it. But uh, the tree was shaking so bad, <laughs> I was so excited and nervous. But but anyhow, you know, this scrape that I found in Kansas, I put a tree stand up on it, and I was like, I, and I, there was these huge monster scrapes around. I'm like, I'm gonna kill. I'd made the decision I was going to hunt only big bucks, you know, and, uh, and not shoot the smaller ones. And I, and so I passed up a bunch and, and I'm, I get in this tree stand and I'm like, you know, all ready to go. And I got there before daylight and I had a pee bottle and everything and lunch. And, and I sat there from daylight till dark and I saw one doe and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And the next day the wind was wrong for it and it was rainy and sprinkly. And I was hunting on the ground near this tree stand and the, the one of the biggest whitetails I ever shot was a, ended up it was a non typical scored one seventy six Pope and Young, but it came in following a doe and I wasn't 
25, 30 yards from this tree stand. And he turned and I was, you know, got down on my knees and he turned and I shot. And I thought I'd missed him because uh, I heard this thud like I'd hit a, uh, there was a, he was on the other side of a big log that was laying on the ground. And I thought I hit the stupid log and missed him. And I went over there and I looked at him like, oh my God, I missed this beautiful buck, you know. And um, ended up, I, I nailed him. But I, I was looking in that stump, in that big old log going, dude, where's my arrow? And then I looked behind it and saw some blood. And he, he went about 80 yards. And, but uh, I, I just, you know, I just fell in love with it. And then, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've got into some tree stand hunting, which I like because I like being able to see, you know, sit around and see animals and squirrels and all that stuff. And, I, and now I'm trying the saddle hunting stuff, which is which has been a lot of fun. Because that's the way I like to hunt is like move around and but yeah I've I've hunted you know I kill an elk pretty much every year I caught, killed some decent elk I've never really gone anywhere like Arizona or you know North New Mexico to hunt really big ones uh, but I, you know I've killed I've killed quite a few Pope and young ones and and um, I pr- pretty much kill one every year I've just gotten to where you know I like shooting a cow for meat, and I, and I really only want to shoot a, a decent-sized bull anymore. If I'm not mistaken, I, it seems like you told me a story. I think you were in Missouri, and you had pneumonia or something, and you still came in to go on a backpack hunt and almost killed yourself when you were oh, yeah. younger, which you said you've had a cough ever since that hunt. Yeah. <laughs> what did I have, honey? I, I had, yeah, I had bronchitis and a fever. And I, I, you know, it, it was my second elk hunt. I, I was living in Kansas, in, in uh, you know, Overland Park, on uh, uh, basically a suburb of Kansas City. And um, I, you know, I just love to hunt, like a lot of a lot of people, you know, just just have a passion for it. And I'd gone to elk hunting the year before and uh, had a great experience. I didn't kill one. I had the very first elk I saw I'd, I'd, I'd gone in this place uh, down in southern Colorado and I I um, the, where the, where I was I was down in a valley and the elk weren't there so I climbed from like 7,500 feet up to above tree line and just as I came out of the trees it was it took me it was straight up it was a ridiculous climb and and uh, but these two cows came out and um and I was like, oh, my God, you know, I actually, that was the first time I ever went. Yeah, the first time, first year. And um, these two cows kind of busted out. I spooked them, and I got out. I'd learned, you know, I'd been practicing elk bugling and cow calling all summer to get ready for this. And and um, so I, I cow called in this bull bugle, and I was like, is that real? <laughs> I never heard an elk bugle before. And I, call, and I called in this monster six-by-six. The 27 yards, and and I didn't, I never, you know, I never, I don't even know. I'd seen elk one time when we'd gone when, when I was a kid going to Canada in the middle of the road in the dark, but I don't, I don't think I'd ever. Maybe I'd seen them at Yellowstone, but uh, I'd never seen an elk out hunting, and because it's my first time to ever elk hunt. But I called this thing in, and I was shooting fingers at the time, and and uh, he comes in, and all the videos and stuff I read, they talked about, you know, you can move on an elk. They're not like whitetails, you know. They're they're you can move and all that stuff. So I said, you know, when this thing gets his head, there had one little opening at 27 yards, and I said, when he comes through that opening, when he gets his head through there, I'm going to draw, 
And when he's there, I'm going to be able to nail him. Well, he got his head to that opening that I drew, and he stood there. <laughs> and I had to sit back on my butt, and I shot anyhow. But, yeah, so the next year I went out, and I and I was kind of sick when I left. And and I had this place where I was going in, and there was a, it, there was a valley in the private land, like in a lot of places, the, the lower areas that's flat, was owned by a rancher. And the wilderness around them, you know, you, the way you had to get in there is you had to drive up this road um, and then climb over 12.5 and then drop down into this valley. And it was a heck of a hike, so I, I backpacked in there. And when I got in there, I just got sick as a dog. And the guy the guy had a, his son, I think, outfitted some, I found out. And there was a wall tent up there, and it was empty. And apparently they, they brought people up there to sheep hunt. Anyhow, I went in there in that wall tent for two days, and I was like, they can kill me. And I felt real bad about it because I, I had a tent, but I was so sick I couldn't set the thing up. And I just went in there and laid down for two days till I felt better, and then nobody ever showed up. But what woke me up the second day was there was an elk bugle about, a, a, you know, 100 yards from where I was sleeping. And then I got up and set up my own tent and went hunting again. So, yeah, I, you know, some crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely. When you get addicted to it or, I mean, I get it, you know, people, you know, message me year round about coming out, you know, West, the majority of them, a lot of them backpack hunting are like, yeah, yeah, you get messages. I'm coming out. I'm going to do a 14 day backpack hunt. And I'm like, are you really like, is that your, that's your plan? But <laughs> <laughs> let's be realistic. Let's, well, let's, you know, I, let's start at five days. I think let's, a lot of the stuff that you've done and other people, you know, this backpacking thing has gone nuts and, and it's, it's fun and it's great, uh, and and you know it's you can be successful, but you know some. It's funny because I I met some guys from Texas in this place in southern Colorado where I hunt. Uh, if I don't draw something else, and it, it was it's four miles in about actually about it's probably four four miles by trail, but it's about three three and a half miles as the crow flies, and that's where I hunt. But I hike in in the morning to get there. And I get up there this one time, and these two guys from Texas are in this place. And it's kind of funny because they were in a wallow that I'd, I'd had, you know, I'd hunted and bulls had bugled and called me in there before. But I came around behind them, and I, <laughs> they were sitting there talking, and I walked down to them, and, and I sat like 15 yards behind them, and they never heard me. And suddenly it got quiet, and I said, how are you guys doing? <laughs> I about scared them half to death. And it was kind of funny because it was like, it was about noon at that time and I was wearing shorts because I was like, I'm just going to hike in. If I see something, you know, I'll put my camo, you know, it was fairly cold, but you know how it is when you're hiking, you, you get a little steamy. And uh, those guys are like, where did you come from? And, I'm, and they thought it was bizarre that I was four miles in, you know, hiked in for the day to hunt. And I was like, you know, you don't really have to put a, I mean, it's, you know, if you don't want to hike four miles one, you know, each morning and evening, it's it's fine. But you know, whatever, teach his own. Well, and I I think that um, you know, there's a there's something to be said that common sense has to be, you know, used because I I I'm sure I'll get bashed for this, but I've met guys that you know were talking about their life. You know, they went and backpack hunted in, and they forgot something. And they ran back to the truck, and they were three quarters of a mile from the truck backpacking in. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that yeah. is extremely counterproductive. Like, you know, I just like backpacking and backpack hunting, but y- you know, and I, I mean, guys will give me crap 
not crap, but I can't believe you can sit in a tree stand or, man, that Alberta hunt, you know, that's got to be weird driving around. It's like, man, I like hunting too. Like I like all kinds of hunting and I, and I need a break by the time November, I'm ready to eat ho-hos and sit in a tree stand. My body has been abused like back to back to back to back backpack hunts. And I, I think the, um, it's almost like traditional, traditional archery, the, the thought of it, the beauty, the, um, what's the word, the kumbaya nature of traditional archery or backpack hunting seems like a good idea until you're starving and you can't find water and your knees hurt and you killed something and you got to pack it out. Or with traditional archery, you've flung seven trad flags and you're out of arrows. I mean, you got to put the work in, uh, you know, to do it. And I, I just like backpack hunting, but it's certainly not what it used to be. There is a lot of competition back there now. Oh yeah, and and that's the that's the deal of this place that I'm talking about is it's a it's about an eight mile hike from one trailhead to the other and they connect and 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 what's funny is you know all these guys have have decided this backpack hunting is the way to go and it, and it is in some places I mean I you know where it's needed and necessary I'll I'll do it but they've all gone into the halfway point which is nuts and and they now there's like five camps set up up there and you know what happens when you set up elk, you know camp with five camps in an elk area they all move out you know, and they go a mile the other direction so they've actually pushed the elk back towards the road and and i just hunt a little out of the way places and kill out there i mean I've, i i have on my gps in this one spot where i killed i think six bulls within uh, a mile and a half of of the trailhead, and these guys are packed in, you know, four miles and pushing elk my way. So it, it's it's kind of you know it's just kind of I mean it's the experience, and some people just want to backpack and hunt, and they feel they feel better about it, and, and and if that's what you like, I mean I I love backpacking, I love I love camping, and but you know my knees aren't what they used to be, and I eat a ho ho myself once in a while, and. And, uh, so, you know, I don't pack as good as I used to. So, you know, it's, it's all fun and whatever people want to do, it's, you know, just makes them happy. That's cool. Yeah. I tell you what, the department of wildlife loves them because they spend 600 bucks on an elk tag. They climb 2000 feet in elevation. They come up with some magical knee injury or something's going on and then they go home and then Colorado keeps the money and they didn't really put any damage on the population. Um, and that happens. I mean, that happens. I'd say 50 to 60% of the people that try it, you know, cause it's something you gotta, you know, you were a long distance runner from what I remember. Well, yeah. I don't like anything about running at all, but some people love running, right? They do ultra marathons and marathons and it's just oh, not yeah. my thing, but you, you, you like that. And you, you ran for, well, and your kid did too. I mean, you ran for a long time. Didn't you run in college too? Yeah, I, I, I just love to run. You know, it's, um, I, I actually started up, you know, my, I, as a kid, I, you know, I played baseball, track, football, you know, everything. And, um, and my favorite was football and baseball. And then in my sophomore year in high school, you know, we used to lift weights and, and the coach, the, my football coach, the linebacker coach was the track coach as well, you know, in small town where I grew up. That's the way they did it. And, um, we would go out and run and, you know, I was just, I was a pretty good runner. And, um, so he asked, he said, you know, yeah, I needed to run distance 
for uh, football. It helped me with my football, so I did. And I got, you know, I got pretty decent at that. And then I, I just, you know, I just loved to run. And then, you know, I got into running and, and I got into, you know, I was a miler and then I got into distance running and five and 10 Ks and ran a, I ran two marathons, which uh, was not my favorite. I, not my favorite event, but uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it was fun when it was over. <laughs> but, uh, and then I got into, you know, I got into uh, bike racing and, and triathlons and, and still, you know, I, I got a new mountain bike last year and it's like, it just, you know, I just love, still love riding the bike and I don't, I don't run anymore because I'm too fat and, and uh, too hard on my knees, but bike is a blast. But, and that's the thing is, like you said, you know, I mean, you know, people, I think a lot of non-residents come to Colorado and come out west to hunt. And, and they don't put the research in and, you know, they buy, I see a lot of people that look like they just walked out of Cabela's and, you know, you, you can kill a pair, you can kill an elk in a pair of jeans and a sweaty, you know, camo shirt, you know, that you don't need all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's good to have good equipment, that's for sure. Uh, and, and the stuff that you need, you know, buy the best you can afford, but, um, or get the best you can afford. But it's really all about, you know, hunting sense and knowing the, knowing the animal. And, and, and you know, you know that it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not all the gear and all the stuff. It's, it's that, that hunting sense and, and knowing the, knowing your animals and where they, how they behave and where they live and what they do and, and how to go find them. Yeah. And again, like I, I just did a podcast with, with someone else's last night and, you know, I was talking about really what's in your back pockets, what's most important. And I meant by my back pocket is the, the best gear you can have is, is really like uh woodsmanship, field craft, knowing animal behavior yeah. and, and then just being stubborn, right. Not, not giving up, uh, you that's, know, that's, that's it really. Well, and I tell you what, I've learned that the hard way with the recurve. Cause if you give up easy, don't pick up that fucking thing. Um, cause I mean, it's going to take you a few tries and, and the ability to keep going and, and really having a short term memory, right? You're only as good as your last shot or last stock, like trying to get that out of your mind and stay, you know, positive is, is huge. I mean, if you're out there to just kill something, you're going to get discouraged and you're out there for the wrong reasons The killing something comes. Uh, you know, I'm out there. I like the adventure and, and everything else just falls into play um, or into place. And and I think that we talked about the social media thing because you, you're not exactly um, at the pinnacle of, of social media, right? You don't really like it. I kind of do it because I, I sort of have to. But if, you know, if you're out there to further gram, it's, it's a short-sighted goal. I mean, you really... I mean, if that's a byproduct of it, I get it. But, man, the best I've ever slept and the happiest I've ever been, I spent almost three months in the Northwest Territories without cell service. Man, I was sleeping eight hours a night, no migraines, just it was awesome. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm wired in 24-7, and it's the same thing. I, You know, I try to get people in on the adventures and show them, you know, teach what I can and everything else, but – you really want to be out there for the love of the outdoors and hunting and not for the love of, of getting likes. And, and you're, you, you touched on it the other day. I mean, how much has that changed that you've seen? I mean, there was no Instagram or cell phones. I mean, when you started this, but 
I mean, you can see current scores at ASA shoots if you just follow different shooters. I mean, everything's – hell, my my buddy Lander found out I shot that mule deer at 12 yards on the first stock from Instagram because I was filming the stock before I told him. So he called yeah. me because he saw it on Instagram and was like, you son of a bitch. I'm like, what? He's like, you got one. I'm like, yeah, well, he found out on Instagram before I told him. That that was the guy I was hunting with. So it's it technology is yeah. crazy. Well, you know, it's 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 got it's, it's got its really good side and it's got its really bad side. And and you know, I grew up in an era where you know people didn't you know you did you don't it wasn't it wasn't you know you you weren't allowed to brag about stuff and people that didn't brag it was you, you just didn't do that you know you let your you let your abilities and your and what you did speak for itself. And, and I kind of like that, you know, I, it, it's, it, you didn't have to put a picture on, you know, Facebook or, or whatever, whatever social media is out there. And then you didn't have to promote yourself. And, and now it's like, if you're not a big self promoter, it doesn't seem like you get anywhere. And I know, you know, I know people that have no skills, but they went out and promoted themselves and not people. There's just a couple. And it's like they, they got all this stuff and they got some fame and, and, and it's, and it's like you had nothing to back that up with. And, and it's like, okay, good for you. You did, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the game for hunting and fishing and the outdoors because I just love it. And I don't, you know, it's, it's like I've had sponsors and the sponsors I had were the sponsors that I wanted and, um, and, and because they, they made the best products, all of my archery stuff. They made, you know, very good, very good equipment, and that's why I wanted them. And if they didn't, I didn't want them, and and uh, and and I was happy to have them, and 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 um, I, I supported them because they they made a great product, and I I wasn't I was proud to to put their name on my shirt, and uh, and proud to sponsor to support them because I believed in them, and um, and and you know and. I don't, I don't care about it. I'm kind of happy that it's there because it seems like to me, um, it's kind of like major league sports. And I, you know, I, I love to watch a football game once in a while myself and basketball since my son's into basketball. But it's like, I'm glad that there's a bajillion people sitting at home watching TV and not out in the woods or on the lake or on the river, you know, where I want to be. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a selfish reason, but, Heck, man, if you want to watch TV, knock yourself out. I'd rather be out in the woods. Oh, yeah, de- definitely. Well, and I mean, you talk about you've got, I think you're 18 or 17 years older than me, and we, we'll do these podcasts with three or four people sometimes, and you have the different eras, right, where, you know, I was raised without a, you know, when I started, there was no real range finders or GPSs, and so I learned to navigate, terrain associate, you know, just like you did, learn the woods, you know, what have you. And I learned to range by practicing ranging. And then the tournaments, that was a bit, you know, you had to practice when they did get range finders. You had to practice judging because the tournaments were unknown distance, which I'm very thankful for all of that because now I can judge really well and I can read a map and a, and a compass. And and definitely there's a lot more easy buttons now. And, and it only carries you so far. I, I mean, if you skip all the hard work, like I've had big debates over that. There's a Garmin Zero site that when you aim at the target, it tells you the range in the sight window. And 
moves your pin for you and shit. It's weird. And I, that kind of crossed the line for me. And I'm like, Hey, if you want to use it, great. But you're kind of skipping learning to sight in your bow and your second and third axis and, and learning to range and learning the adventure. Of, I mean, the adventure of the sport and you know, I've had, well, it's more ethical. Well, so is shooting a gun during bow season. Technically, if you look at it that way, right? I mean, yeah, I get it, but there's something to be said for learning all that stuff. And and you came up in an era even before me where, you know, like uh, shooting squirrels. I mean, you just went and shot them and ate them, rabbits. I mean, that's just what you did, yeah. and and you don't get that very often anymore. Well, you know, my and then you think about you know every generation gets a little bit different, and uh, and and in our lifetime you know, for the most part, maybe more spoiled and more, you know, because there's more gadgets that make our lives, you know, so much easier. And uh, I'm kind of battling right now with with getting a a fish finder, you know, all that stuff, because, you know, I I know I catch more fish and, and, and all that stuff. But I'm I'm like, you know, really, I mean, I, I, I love to catch fish, but I love figuring out how to catch fish. And having a depth finder just kind of seems like cheating. You know, I mean, if I was a walleye fisherman or something, maybe, or, you know, but, but it, it just seems, and I, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be, but then you got to think about people that, you know, that, that make fun of wheel bows, you know, <laughs> they think that if you shoot a compound bow, you know, you're cheating. And, and guys that are fly fishermen think that if you use a worm, you're cheating. So it, it's just different levels, but at some point, you got to draw a line in the sand and you got to say, that's just too much because, because the next thing is, is, well, why can't, you know, why can't we use night vision scopes and, and stuff? It's, and, and, you know, that most people are going to think that's not right. But, but I, I agree that it's my dad, you know, I look at my dad and he grew up during the depression in a family with 16 get, kids and, and they hunted and fished for food to, to put food on the table. And he, and he brought that to me and, and taught me with that kind of mentality is you eat everything you kill. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's why I've never really bear hunted or mountain lion hunted. I, I don't have any problem with people that do. I'd like to shoot a bear. I kind of have an agreement with them at this point. If they leave me alone, I'll leave them alone. <laughs> but, uh, but mountain lions are different, you know. But, uh, <laughs> They're a little scary, but, but, uh, it's a different era, era. And, um, um, I, I don't know that it's getting better. You know, it's, I'd like, I wish people would go back to the old days of, that you hunted to put, you know, because of the love of the, the hunt. And you, you know, I don't, I don't say you have to eat everything, but you have to, you have to, you know, make use of it to, for someone to have it. I mean, you can always donate meat to, to, uh, a soup kitchen or to, you know, people that need it. And, um, but, but all of the, all of the, you know, I got to have my picture and, you know, I got to, you know, I'm hunting for the wrong reason. And to me, the wrong reasons are not just for the simplicity and the love and the effort and the hard work and, and going the extra mile to, to, um, to accomplish, you know, bagging of an elk or a deer or catching a fish or whatever. No, I, I agree. And I mean, obviously, you know, I'm somewhat of a hypocrite cause I'm on social media and I, I try to explain that to people of like, you know, when you look at someone, how much work are they putting in uh, to it? Like you say, you become, 
immersed in what you're doing. When you learn, when you're learning the art of the sport, you're shooting every day. You're trying to stay fit. You're learning to, you know, to sight in your bow, to tune your bow, to fletch arrows. Like you're learning the art of, of everything. And in the outdoors, you're not just buying all the gear. You're learning how to build a fire and and where to get dry wood, or you know where to set up your camp and in thermals and all of the important things and try to become where your toolbox is full. You've got it. You're, you, you've, you've learned, yeah. you're, you're filling your toolbox up every time you go out navigation. I mean, certain things where when, when people are like, Oh, you just have an innate nature to read animals. Well, that's one way to look at it. It's also, I've been out here enough that I've learned what animals do over time, studying them, like where they're, you know, mule deer, they've always got an escape route. You know, guys will hike into a basin and message me and say, man, there was no deer in that basin. And I'm like, well, which one was it? Well, it's surrounded by cliffs. They've got no escape terrain. They, they got to have a place to hide, right? You can't have, you know, three walls vertical. They're, they're not going to like it as much because they can't get away. And, and things like that and where that, uh, you know, you blow some deer out, you want to watch them because there's going to be, they've got an escape path that they're going to take. Mule deer always do in the high country. There's going to place they go. Learning that stuff is is vital and then you find like you talk about those little hidden gems those pockets for elk you got to get out there to Mm -hmm. find that shit um you know because i mean it may not be very big it may not it it may be 400 yards off a trail but they're they're there but you got to put boots on the ground to to find it and a lot of that stuff gets skipped nowadays yeah i yeah i I agree because otherwise the you know, the percent success rate wouldn't be below 20% for bow hunters in Colorado <laughs> because, because there's, you know, there, there are some people that kill an elk every year and you wonder why aren't other people killing elk? <laughs> and, and it's, it's the, it's the basis. It's not, it, you know, the good equipment is, is great to have, but it's, it's like you said, it's, you know, it's willing, it's the willingness to, you know, take, to stay there until dark and get yourself out of there in the dark, you know, back in the day just by wood sense. And now it's, you, you got a GPS or you got your phone, which I haven't figured the phone out yet, but I still use a GPS. But I mean, you can, you know, as long as you got a battery and a satellite and, uh, you know, somebody doesn't, the government doesn't play with the, the coordinates, you can, uh, you can, uh, get yourself out of there. And it's, it's, you know, it's that, it's, it's surprising how many people are out of the woods, are going out of the woods for elk season and, and even deer season when the best time for hunting is they, they just missed it by an hour because they're already on their way to camp. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's that, that, that matters and, and that, that makes it fun and the special moments that you have that make, you know, people love that really love the outdoors makes them love the hunting and and the experience yeah definitely well man on that note we're hitting close to an hour here and uh, i think that's a good note to kind of to stop on I, I think people really should think and we talk about it a lot but think about what you're going out there for and then nothing wrong i mean it's coming from a guy that sells thousand dollar backpacks nothing wrong with good gear but Make sure that your skill set is uh, at least above, uh, even or above your gear list. If uh, if your gear list is exceeding by a multiplier of four, your knowledge, you got to try to even that knowledge up with the the cool gear you have, and and you'll be better off for it while you're while you're out there, and, and definitely try to just have uh, 
have fun. I mean, that's the key. That's that's why we're all there. But but man, I, I appreciate uh, you know the friendship over the years, and and uh, I believe you have had a talking to me in my younger days a time or two. Tipton was always a guy that would tell me if I was being a dumb fuck, which is I appreciated, and 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 always been a good dude, man. I appreciate it uh, truly. You know, I've never really said that because uh, I I can't thank you enough over the years for you know kind of being a guy I could look up to. Well, and 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 Aaron, I would say, you know. I mean, you've, you've put a lot of hard work and you've done some smart things and you, you know, I've seen some of your photography. I've, I've never seen your podcast because I don't even hardly know what a podcast is, but I mean, your photography is excellent and you put a lot of hard work and you've, you've made a place for yourself and, and your, you know, your statement, of, you know, and I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. I'm, I'm proud of you for, you know, hunting and hunting for the right reasons. And, um, and then what you said about gear, you know, the best I mean, the best gear you can get, you know, don't waste your money on cheap gear. Wait till you can buy the, the best. And I can tell you, somebody made me a great deal on a Kafaru pack. And it's, I'm not, you know, not plugging Kafaru, but it's the best backpack I've ever had. So, and, and I'll just say that. And, and I mean, I guess that is a plug for Kafaru, but I have one and it's the best pack I ever had. And, and it's, you know, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, but um, I, you know, I, I'm I'm happy that you've uh, been as successful at something that you love to do, and I think it's uh, it's great that you've worked your butt off to get there. Yeah, and that's it, what makes the difference. It's it's been cool. We'll have to try and hunt together at, at some point, or at least go shoot 3Ds over at American Bowman. And um, I see if I shoot the stick, I you know I got an excuse now. If you beat me, if I get beat by a a senior pro with a compound in my hand, I'm not gonna be able to show myself so i'm gonna bring the stick and then i got an excuse like well i had a recurve okay well i'll practice with my palmer recurve that i got 20 years ago (laughs) my shoulder can still stand it and we'll shoot half and half if i beat you with the recurve then i'm gonna let you have it oh no sounds sounds good you saying that ain't happening you're not going to beat me with a recurve, no. Okay. <laughs> you heard it right here. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Good Lord. Well, cool, man. Well, tell, uh, I, we, I, we should put in a plug for your wife cause she's a saint. Uh, that is one thing yeah. we didn't bring up. My wife, uh, she, Katie's yeah, awesome. My wife, Kate is, uh, we've, uh, we've been together for a hundred years now and it's been an excellent century. No, what it was, it been honey, 34 years. Oh, and she's we right. met in St. Louis, and uh, we have five kids. It's been a we're getting uh, getting where closer to retirement, and it's been uh, it's been a great great thirty four years, and and we're very happy. And she's a she's a saint. She lets me hunt and fish, and she supports it, and and uh, and that's been a you know it supported my archery when you know I was gone from the kids and didn't like being gone, but but she's a, she's a saint. She's an awesome woman. No, that's, I didn't know you were right there. So I totally wasn't trying to kiss your ass, Katie. I, I, I did that like <laughs> point blank, but we'll, we'll have to actually, I'll go out to dinner. You'll get a, you guys will get a kick out of, um, Amy. She's like a five foot 11 Italian and she is wound for sound. Um, you imagine <laughs> who has to deal with me, right? She'll, she'll definitely tell me to F off when I need it, um, which is good for me. So we'll all have to go out to dinner at some point when COVID is over and we can actually go out to dinner. So yeah that'd be cool 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 all right well you guys take it easy thanks again for everything and and i'll definitely stay in touch all right Aaron. talk to you later man all right bye-bye